thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Thanks, Andy. Am I on okay? I, um, you know, last week when we started, I, um, I just, it was Freedom Sunday, and it was just a great week, but I didn't feel as comfortable to kind of share a story. So I, I want to just say uh, greetings from all of your friends, and, which are basically my friends, and I, I share my friends, so my friends are your friends now. Um, I want to show you um, Edgar and Rosa, those of you who did not see them. Look at that. There's, that's, this is Isabel's parents. Yeah, so that's my Guatemalan big brother. Um, we are going to go, that by the way, that place, all right, that place has been serving Chiros with chocolate for 24 hours, right, 24 hours a day since 1894. I mean, it's such a simple gig, a little cup of chocolate and some Cheetos, but it was unbelievable. So if you get a chance to go there, I highly recommend that. Um, I am, you can see they're drunk with chocolate. Um, go back to the next one. This, we just took a day out. This is the old palace. Very cool. Um, but I really, I want to encourage you. Edgar and Rose have been church planting in Spain. They just bought a new building. And the building is a, like an old, it's a warehouse, but it's just gutted. Um, and he's desperate to get a team over there to help build some walls, drop a few ceilings, clean it up, and get it usable for church. Um, and he, it's an urgent matter to him because he's in the middle of a transition. Um, and it's a great, great opportunity for us as a church to go and help do some practical things. How many people here know how to build a wall and drop a ceiling? Okay, meet me. <laughs> you signed up. Um, we want to go soon. He asked for us to come like early February. I was like, that's soon. What about early March? But we're debating the, the days. But if you have it on your heart to go, it's probably going to be about $1,200. It'll take a week, and we're going to have an absolute riot. And we're going to partner with um, Issa's family's church in Spain, in Madrid. It's going to be amazing. So I want you to think about it. You don't have to commit right now, but if you're interested, I want to talk more about it in the fireside room after church. So come right after church. All right. And then what's the next one? All right. So this is uh, Chris and Nikki Williams. This, they're a great couple. He's kind of a posh, understated English guy, Londoner. And she is... Just kind of a wild Greek. And so they make for a great couple. Uh, they pastor the church in um, London. And this is the coffee shop that their church has made. And they run it um, in a way to connect with the community and share the love of God and make a lot of great coffee. Do you have the video? Go ahead and play that. I just want you to hear their voice. This is unedited. Normally I edit these for you, but this is just... What are we doing? Let me say it again. Uh, you just have to say good morning, Living Word Church. Oh. Like during the service. Oh, okay. <laughs> let, let me start and then I'll say it again. Oh, my goodness. What are you talking about? I'm not saying anything, really. Hey, good morning, Living Word. This is Dave. I am at Streets Coffee, which is a coffee house that has been built by the uh, London Community Church. Pastor Chris Williams here. Chris? Guys, have a great day. Enjoy what you're doing. We just love our relationship and friendship across the ocean. Mm. Nikki? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Um, 
we have just had the most amazing weekend with David and Samantha at the Hotel Corn Leaders weekend. And we just love your pastors. It's nice to be loved. Hey, have a great morning. We miss you guys. Oh yeah, we miss you too. Have a great morning, I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. You gotta love it when someone's making a frappuccino in the background. I'll just have the fun with that. Normally I edit that down for you. Um, I play those as a reminder to us that we're not an independent church. We're not just us. And we're not just the churches in Chicago that, that were planted out of this church that we call Lifelink Chicago. The Lifelink network of churches is broad in um, UK and we have partnerships all over the world. And so we're kind of a small community church, but we have international connections and global partnerships because we believe that we're to be a part of the global reach to preach to everybody. And so I want you to feel as much of that connection as possible. Uh, if you ever want to travel, you can, by all means, I'll, I'll set you up. You can travel to London, see the church, pop in the streets coffee, and get to know some of our brothers and sisters laboring over there. Um, or India, or Africa, or Mongolia, or any place you want to go. Maybe not any place, but we want to be a people that are connected to one another. Amen? All right. Um, I'm going to uh, just kick off briefly a fresh series for the church, um, the Gospel of Luke. We're going to study the Gospel of Luke from today all the way through Easter, right? So we're going to start with the birth narratives, like the, the Christmas stuff, and we're going to study straight through to the resurrection and um, the commission of God. So we're going to be studying the Gospel of Luke. Some of you have already written um, little kind of devotionals for December. Well done on that. We're working on publishing those to make them available to you. Um, just thoughts from the church about Christmas and about the Gospel of Luke. Um, so participate in that. If you have something you'd like to write down, see Jenny Fisher. She would be glad to field it. And um, we still need more. The, th the series is called Fulfilled. And so I want to talk about of Jesus that he's about to tell is being told so that we know there is a fulfillment that is that the coming of Jesus has accomplished something that they've waited for for a long, long time. That there's something in the story of Jesus that is kind of a completion of all that was hoped and expected for in the Old Testament. So let me continue reading it. It says this, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus. Theophilus, there's some discussion about Theophilus. So it could be a person, right, whose name is Theophilus. But that word, Theophilus, means lover of God. Am I dying on my battery? You guys are being so nice, you didn't even, like, interrupt me. He's preaching next Saturday. <laughs> he does it all. Is that better? 
Same. Okay. So Theophilus, it, it could be the guy's name Theophilus, but it also means lover of God. That's what the name means. So this book is written to Theophilus, the person on behalf of all of us, or it's written maybe more specifically to all of us who love God. To those who love God, there has been a fulfillment that has happened that we need to know. Not only do we need to know it, but it says, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you were taught. Think about fulfillment a minute. Like, the idea of fulfillment is this. It's a completion. It's, it's like God in the Old Testament was making promises, and when those promises were fulfilled, that means it's been complete. It has been done. It's like something great has been accomplished. I want you to think about that as we go through this because the idea of fulfillment is grand. I mean, God has fulfilled his promises, but there's also this issue of how has that been fulfilled in my life, right? How has God's finished, completed work been fulfilled in my life? So the idea of fulfillment is this completion that somehow all the promises of the Old Testament have been fulfilled in the life of Jesus. That's a big thing. When you look at fulfillment, I mean, when you go on Amazon, how many people have ordered from Amazon? I've slowly become an Amazon junkie. You order it. They say your order has been received. It's been acknowledged. And then when your order actually shows up at your door, now they take a picture of it, right? So you can't pretend someone stole it. Get a free computer. They say that order has been fulfilled. It's been accomplished. It is in your possession. Luke is saying to us that the promises of God, Testament, are now in our possession. Let's just look at one of those, kind of the big one. There's many promises God makes in the Old Testament, but one of the biggest and the the, the Genesis 12 promise. Is this still puttering in and out? Is it bad? It's okay. Genesis 12 says this. The Lord said to Abram, who later became Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. And he makes these promises. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people of the world will be blessed through you. When Luke is talking about fulfillment, he's saying, look, these promises that God made in the Old Testament, the promise made to Abraham, that he will bless you, and that through you, Abraham, and through your children, because Father Abraham had many sons, Many sons, right? I am one of them. Through this promise, this unlikely promise to a 75-year-old man, a lineage began that ended up with Jesus. And he said, Abraham, through you, Abraham, through you, I will bless all the nations. All the nations through this one old man who he displaced out of his own home, who he sent on a journey, 
that had many challenges and hardships and many mistakes on Abraham's part. But God was faithful to his promise straight down the line that God would bless all the nations of the earth. And Luke is saying that promise is being fulfilled that all the nations of the world, including you nations, America is a nation, just as Spain is a nation, Guatemala and all the, these are nations that the life of Jesus is in the process of blessing. He's saying it's been fulfilled. If you think of it even from the very end of the Gospel of Luke, Luke 24, Jesus has been crucified, he has risen again, and Jesus is walking along the road with a couple very discouraged people. They're like, we're really disappointed in God right now. We thought God was going to do something special. We thought God was going to save us. But instead, this Jesus, who we thought was the Messiah, was crucified, died, and buried. And lo and behold, it's Jesus right there next to him, right? You know, like, kind of Pretending not to know, like, really? Tell me more about this, Jesus. What did you mean by that? Why are you so disappointed? Why are you so discouraged right now? And then Jesus goes on after he listens to him. He tells him this. He says, listen, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets... Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So here we have Luke beginning to tell the story. We don't know what promises Jesus was referring to on that road. All we know is that Jesus himself is the fulfillment of all of God's promises through all of the Old Testament. That he is embodying in and himself the promises of God to bless and to be a blessing to all nations. That Jesus is the fulfillment. Luke says, I want you to know that. I want you to be certain about this. I don't want you to wonder. I don't want you to question. I don't want you to doubt. I love it how in verse 4, Luke says, look, I want you to know these things with certainty. Well, there's a lot of things we don't know with certainty, right? There's a lot of things in your life that you're not sure about yet. Brandon just got real certain real fast, didn't he? <laughs> Nothing shows certainty like a diamond ring. Nicely done, guys. Don't you wish all of life was just that simple and that certain? But it's not. Even theological things, even, even these early first century disciples, there was so much that they didn't understand, even theologically and how do the... The, the different races work together? Can Jews and Gentiles actually become brothers and sisters? They didn't know how to handle even cultural issues. Can we eat that meat that was sacrificed to idols, but it's for sale at the grocery store? Can we do with these people? How do we handle life? So many questions. So much uncertainty. But Luke says this. When it comes to knowing the fulfillment of God's promises... We want you to be completely certain. No doubts that all of this was fulfilled in Jesus. For all the things we don't know and are still figuring out, we know this with certainty, that Jesus is God's fulfillment to his promises to bless you.
to take your life and cause it to reach its full potential, to be all God wanted you to be. You know, ancient Israel was continuously unfaithful. You know, if you read through the Old Testament, you, you know, you, you can't get past Adam and Eve. And suddenly, people are disobeying God and sinning and doing their own thing. And they're, they're being violent. They're killing people. They're sleeping with people. They're taking slaves. All of this chaos is ensuing in the world. Even after God spoke to Abraham, it didn't mean that suddenly God's people did everything right. Quite the contrary. God's people continued to do things wrong century after century, generation after generation. And there were good generations and there were bad generations, but there was this continual flow of unfaithfulness in God's people. It's really a tragic, sad story. By the time you get to the end of the Old Testament, the people of God are discouraged, dispersed, and they just don't know where to put their trust and hope. And then Luke says, you know what, Jesus. Jesus has been the faithful one. Where the people of God have been unfaithful, Jesus has been faithful. You know, that's why we celebrate Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Jesus came as one of them, as a baby Jew, part of the unfaithful legacy of humanity. And there in the main city, God sent the faithful one, who was one of us, who would be faithful where so many people have been unfaithful, would succeed where so many generations have failed. Luke wants us to know this, that in Jesus, all the promises and expectations of God have been fulfilled. Where everyone else has failed, they have succeeded in Christ. It's true for us too, you see. Where we have failed, failed to be good enough to please God, failed to be faithful enough to deserve God's grace and God's blessing, faithful to be diligent enough to be used by God somehow in life, where we have failed to be faithful, Jesus is still faithful. He is the fulfillment of all of God's promises, yesterday, today, and forever. And so at the very beginning, Luke is saying, look, I want you to be certain of this. You need to cling to the baby in this story. You need to find your life in the baby of this story. You need to believe in the Jesus story I'm about to tell you. Let me give an example. Right here from the first chapters. Still on and off? I wonder why they're jumping out of the seats right now. Thanks, Morris. Okay, how's that better? Thank you, Jesus. He's alive. Hey, thanks, man. We like you loud, we like you soft. Just keep talking. I want to tell you two stories of Christmas today. So we're back into Luke chapter 1. 
And the first story of Christmas is Zechariah. Zechariah was an old man. He was an old, faithful, crusty Jew. And he was faithful to God. He was a priest. He was like, a, he was like you know, the pastor. He was, he was a faithful guy who loved God through the decades. He was faithful. And he was a high-ranking official. He was accomplished. He had lived his life well. He'd gotten promoted through the ranks. And he was someone who served God. And an angel suddenly appears to him while he's serving God. As a matter of fact, while he is in the holy place, holy of holies, he was on duty and he was before the Lord doing his priestly duties. He was burning incense and all the worshipers were there. And an angel showed up to Zechariah. And he was standing there on the right side of the altar. When Zechariah saw this angel standing there, he was afraid. He was nervous. It was like, it was like you come to church and you worship God and, you know, pastor's preaching and suddenly God shows up and we're all surprised about it, you know? Like, whoa, what do you know? God is here. The Holy Spirit is moving. Let's not be that church that, like, gets surprised when the Holy Spirit shows up in church, when God starts to move. Anyways, Zechariah, he was old. He'd been doing it a long time. And suddenly an angel shows up, granted a very unusual event. And so the angel shows up, and Zechariah is naturally afraid, which is what you are when an angel shows up before you. But the angel says to him this, don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard, and your wife will bear you a son. You see, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were an old couple, and they didn't have any kids. And it was probably a sore spot for him. He's like, God, I've been serving you all my life, all these years. I'm a priest. I'm at the altar. I've been faithful to you. And God, you have not been faithful to me. That's what he's thinking. All these life, you've withheld your blessing. All I've wanted is a couple babies, a couple children. But he still served. And then the angels told him that. He says, don't be afraid. We've heard your prayer. Your wife is going to have a baby boy. Not only that, he says, this boy will be a joy and a delight to you. Let's just speak that over Mason right now. That boy's going to be a joy and a delight to you. Amen? That's you, kid. That's you. No pressure. Many will rejoice because of his birth, and he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Never shall he take wine or ferment to drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. I mean, the angel is saying, God's going to give you an awesome son. God is going to bless you. And all of this, this prophecy about it will go on before the Lord and the spirit and the power of Elijah, and he'll prepare a way for God. He was John the Baptist. He's going to prepare a way for Jesus. And Zechariah responds, he says, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is also well along in years. He didn't want to call his wife old because that's rude. <laughs> I'm old, and she's just well along in years. But you get the point. Zachariah's like, where have you been all this time? How come now that I'm old? How come now that all my life and youth has passed me gone by, that suddenly now you're going to give me a son? 
And man, Gabriel's answer was not pleasant. Gabriel said to him, it should say, boy? It doesn't. It just says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. But now you will be silent. You will not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words. Man, could you imagine living your whole life faithful to God, loving God, going through disappointments, but then burying those disappointments so rock solid in your soul that when God now becomes in his own timing, in his own purpose, his grand scheme wants to bless you, your response is, prove it. And he didn't believe. So Gabriel's like, all right, we're just going to close that little thing you're, you're, you're flapping. And he didn't speak for at least nine months. It's really beautiful to me to see that God did not, like, change his plan. He didn't like, all right, we need a new priest, smite. He didn't just do away with Zechariah. He wouldn't finish with him. But Zechariah responded with unbelief. And the angel said, that's not going to work here. You're just going to have to keep your mouth shut because we can't have you spouting that unbelief all over the place. We can't have you talking like God's not on his throne that his presence isn't powerful, that his plan is somehow off track. So we're going to have to quiet you down just for a little bit. Just a little bit. The next Christmas story is the story of Mary. The story of Mary is a different story because Mary is not an esteemed priest. She's not a leader in Israel. She's kind of a nobody young woman. And she has no power. She has no husband. She's just a young, godly woman. And suddenly, we jump into the story again. And it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so at least six months later, God sent Gabriel again to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. Her name was Mary. And the angel came and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary said, Thank you very much. No, she didn't. She she shivered with fear, and she was greatly troubled. She was nervous. But the angel says to her, Do not be afraid. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him what? He will be great and called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And suddenly the angel Gabriel paints this picture of Jesus the Messiah. His kingdom will never end. And Mary too, confused. Not unlike Zechariah. She says, how can this be? I have never been with a man. How am I going to have a baby? And the angel explains, she says, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For say this with me. No word from God will ever fail. You weren't following along with me in the scriptures. And Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I'm going to see these two different people. Because later, Mary goes and she runs to Elizabeth. And she's like, Elizabeth, first of all, I can't believe you're having a baby. This is a miracle. And Elizabeth is like, yeah, I know. Another miracle has happened too. My husband hasn't talked in six months. God is so good to me. I have a baby and my husband is quiet. He seems to be particularly well-behaved as well, like he had an encounter with an angel. And Mary's like, she shares her story, and, and Elizabeth's response is this. Blessed is she, that blessed are you, Mary, who has believed what the Lord, that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. I just think it's so amazing because here are these two people they are both presented with impossible situations right Zechariah had every reason to question and to to wonder how God was going to cause him and his wife to have this impossible baby but in his questions in his wondering his heart had gotten cynical enough that he chose not to believe Whereas here is Mary, this young teenage girl, suddenly, miraculously conceiving Jesus, who will be called the Son of the Most High. And all this goes on. And her response to the angel, her response to God was this. I know that you will fulfill your word. It's an amazing, powerful contrast. And I don't think Luke does it to put down Zechariah because Zechariah is all of us, right? Zechariah's response is not unlike many of our responses would be. When God comes and says, I am going to do something new. I am going to fulfill a promise that you have waited on for a long time. I am going to fulfill in your day, in your midst, In your life, my promise to bless and to through you bless the nations. I remember years ago, I was right after college, I went to Bible school in England for a summer. Uh, Not because I was particularly spiritual, I just thought it would be really cool to spend a summer in England. And so I went, and God really touched and blessed my life there. One of the encounters I had was... I would study all week, and then on the weekends, we'd visit all the different churches in the UK, like the London Church or Rugby Church or different churches, Cambridge as a church, many churches. And I was at this one church up in the north, and I was 22 years old, and they said, hey, you're here, you're studying, why don't you come and give a testimony? And I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell this story because it's true. I went and I gave this testimony. I started sharing about the Lord, but my testimony kind of just sunk into this sad confession of my own failures. And it was, it was very 
true, but normally you try harder to just put your best foot forward. But I just got way too honest in this testimony to this youth group. You know, I'm just like way too honest. I'm struggling with this. I have trouble with that. And, you know, by the time it was done, I was just like, so good luck to you. I'm out of here. <laughs> it, was, it was almost that bad. I'm just like, someone take this mic away from me. I need to leave. And I left the building. I'm like, I got to get out of this building. And I just, I was walking. I was like, man, that was terrible. And I think it's true. And I was having these, this crisis of faith and doubt in my own heart. And this God, what's God going to do in my life? And this and that. And, and afterwards, this teenager came up to me and says, hey, I've been looking for you. I was sitting outside. I was looking for you. And I just felt like while you were talking, God gave me a word for you. And this was the word that God gave me for you. That God has not forgotten you. You are not a failure, but God is going to bless you, and you will be a blessing to the nations. And I was like, thank you, go away. I'm not feeling that right now. But even in the moment where it seems so far from true, or so impossible to get there. So when Luke says, I want you to be certain about the things that have been fulfilled in the life of Jesus. He is telling us that this issue of fulfillment, that all God's promises, they are yes, and they are amen. And the things that God has spoke through the centuries are now upon us, and that God is fulfilling them in the general sense, in the broad, beautiful sense, that Jesus is the faithful one, fulfilling all that God has done, and fulfilling all that we lack. But also it plays out in our individual lives. That God is approaching you with whatever situation we find ourselves. And we're often nervous or afraid. We have all kinds of different questions. But one thing is completely certain. That God will fulfill his work in you and through you if you believe him. I'm going to end with three lessons from Gabriel. We learn from Gabriel three things. Number one, it's this. Certainty is not knowing everything that's going to happen or how everything works. Certainty is this, believing that Jesus will accomplish it. Whatever you're facing, whatever is going on in your life right now, you may not know how to get through it. You may not know what to do with it. You may not understand all the theology around it. But listen to me. If you believe that Jesus will see you through it and he'll bless you and he'll through you be a blessing, then you can be certain of that. Neither Zechariah nor Mary was certain about what would happen. They both had questions. But Zechariah doubted and Mary believed. Let's be a Mary. Number two is this. Your life is a witness of something. Your life is a witness of something. Either that God is fulfilling things in your midst, or your life is a witness that God may or may not be at work. And we see that played out because with Zechariah, the angel silenced his witness. Zechariah was no longer 
given the opportunity to speak his unbelief. But Mary, if you read on, there's a section called Mary's Song. And Mary starts singing, right? It's the Magnificat. It's the beautiful, right? Oh, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He's been mindful of my humble state, and he has now blessed all generations through me. And I think you have to, you could go on, you have to realize that your life is a witness. My question is, are you a witness that God wants to, needs to silence for nine months? Or is your life a witness that needs to sing the song of great praise to God? Mary hadn't changed. She was still this humble teenager in a bit of a pickle because she had to explain to Joseph that she was pregnant. But her soul glorified God because he knew that Jesus would be faithful. God would be faithful in Jesus. Your life is a witness. My last thing is this, and then we'll be done. Your words to God, they matter. Your words to God, they matter. I'm not talking about those religious words that you learn to speak and repeat. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, right? If I should die before I wake, who taught me to pray this way? There are like repetitive religious things we do. I'm not talking about those words. Click off the autopilot. Your words to God matter. When confronted with a situation of your making or someone else's making, it doesn't matter how the situation is, but there you are present in your life. And you have to decide what kind of words you're choosing to say to God. God does prize honesty. You can be honest. But he also prizes your decisions, the choices you make in terms of your words. And the contrast of Mary's words were this. God, let your words to me be fulfilled. And Zachariah's were quite different. How can you prove this to me, God? God, I'm not going to step forward. I'm not going to do anything until you prove it. God's not in the business of proving things to you. I mean, he is vindicated. He will be victorious. He will be shown as right. But God is fulfilling in your life, not proving. And so as you say yes to God fulfilling your, his purposes in your life, your words will provoke God's blessing. And I want to pray as we end the right words to God. When's the last time you said, Lord, have your way in me? When's the last time you said, Lord, fulfill your purposes in my life at any cost? When's the last time you said, have your way in me, O Lord? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Luke's words that Jesus was the fulfillment of so many promises. Thank you, God, that you have 
fulfilled in our midst your promises of salvation. God, that you have blessed us and that you want to make us a blessing to the nations. God, I pray that you would, in fact, help us to put our certainty in Jesus. In every situation now, Lord, whether it's internal, our own hearts, our own struggles, God, or whether it's situations at work or in our families or in life, God, help us to respond to you with faith, believing that you can fulfill your purposes. God, I pray that you would bring us to be a witness, that, Lord, you would not have to quiet our mouths, but, God, you would have us to sing songs of your faithfulness and your goodness and your glories. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to choose our words well. God, I pray that even today we would be more conscious of our language towards God, that we would be more conscious, God, of our responses to you. The contrast of Zechariah and Mary would be very real to us. And God, that we would have faith-filled responses in our words to you. Now, Lord, I pray you just bless this congregation, bless the people as they come and as they go. Lord, as Christmas approaches, I pray you do a fresh work in our hearts of joy, of peace, of singing, of delighting in your salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Together we said it. Amen. Amen. Give glory to God. Yeah.